Welcome to Crossview Radio, a weekly podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. I uh, went on over to the um, Anxiety and Depression Association of America's website today and came across the following statistics. Um, First one here, anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the U.S., affecting 40 million adults in the United States age 18 and older, or 18.1 of the population every year. Anxiety disorders are highly treatable, yet only 36.9% of those suffering receive treatment. People with an anxiety disorder are three to five times more likely to go to the doctor and six times more likely to be hospitalized for psychiatric disorders than those who do not suffer from anxiety disorders. And then the last one here, anxiety disorders develop from a complex set of risk factors, including genetics, brain chemistry, personality, and life events. So the point is a lot of people have anxiety. And a while back, uh, you may remember ago, those of you who um, uh, were with us from more of the beginning, I did an interview with Glenn Dunn uh, on anxiety, and I thought uh, maybe we just revisit the topic and uh, spend a little bit more time uh, talking about it. Uh, when I did that interview, uh, I brought up an article that made reference to the hashtag, this is what anxiety feels like. And I did a quick Twitter search on that hashtag and I did find out that uh, I think that topic has kind of died out um, now because I think the most recent one is like uh, April um, or maybe it was August of 2017. But uh, so it's uh, not really being talked about much anymore. But I did go through the uh, hashtag a little bit and I found a number of tweets uh, out there. And one of them says this, uh, hate it when someone goes, just stop stressing if I could stop, I would, don't you think? And then the hashtag, of course, this is what anxiety uh, feels like. Uh, if you take this message just as it is, I actually mostly uh, agree with it. Um, now, I'm not saying I'd address the problem the same way that they would. I don't know how they would address the problem, but there are two positive things uh, to take away from this tweet and one negative. Uh, the first is the acknowledgement that the statement, just stop stressing, uh, is shallow advice. I agree with that. That is shallow advice. And unfortunately, uh, many people, including some Christians, have taken a shallow approach in trying to help others who are struggling through anxiety. And I think that we need to acknowledge that comments like, just stop stressing, are unhelpful to people who are struggling through anxiety. And if you've never been through anxiety, it's hard to imagine the reality of feeling like you're in a prison, just completely uh, unable to stop. Now, the second positive thing to take away uh, from, this, uh, from this tweet is um, the inability to find freedom in yourself. Uh, when people say, I can't help it, I actually really do believe them. Um, I really do think that they do need something outside of themselves to find freedom rather than finding freedom from uh, within. Now, of course, where you go externally to find that freedom is important, and I will get to that, but for the moment, let's just recognize at least this. The answer 
is not within, it's without. In fact, let's say it this way. The problem is within and the answer is without. Uh, there is one negative thing, though, that I'd like to talk about this statement here, and that is the assumption right at the end. The assumption is that if he or she had the ability to stop, he or she would do that. Um, now, the reason that I disagree with that, and maybe I should qualify this a little bit, uh, I think people do want freedom from anxiety. However, what I'd like to say is that I think that they want freedom on their terms, not on God's terms. And so when God says, here is a solution to your anxiety, I don't want that. And so I ultimately don't want freedom. I'm not choosing freedom because I'm, I'm looking uh, from, from on my terms and not, uh, not God's terms. Um, previously, what we've done, and actually this was done in the context of um, addiction, we talked about the fact that addiction is a disorder of worship, and we're going to maintain that same diagnosis here in the context of anxiety and worry. When I say that worry is a worship disorder, I mean that it is a byproduct or a symptom of a deeper problem that has its source in how you view and cherish God. And real quickly, uh, we'll just look at this in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. Uh, the scripture says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light uh, in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And so in the context of what's going on here, Jesus is speaking of having your treasures in the right place. And he's talking about serving the right master, where he says, there your treasure is, there your heart will be also, and then you cannot serve God in money. He's talking about worship here. But what I find interesting is that in the very next verse, so we went through verse 24, the very next verse, verse 25, Jesus connects uh, that section with the one that we just read by the word therefore. And this is actually very interesting because in verse 25, Jesus says this, therefore, because of everything that I've said previously about having your heart and treasure in the right place, everything I said previously about not serving God in money, uh, these ideas about worship and, and allegiance and, and love and adoration to God and God alone, therefore, because of those things, he says, do not be anxious about your life. For uh, what what you will eat, or I'm sorry, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? The therefore don't be anxious statement stems from the skewed worship priorities in verses 19 through 24. What he does then is exhorts us not to worry about food and clothing. In other words, anxiety is not only a disorder of worship, it is also a sin. In fact, I would say that it is a sin because it is first a worship disorder. Anxiety stems from the fact that I don't trust and worship God as I ought. Let's say, uh, for example, you're operating out of a tight budget 
uh, comes to the end of the month, you think you're going to make it by until your next paycheck, but you need to go out and get groceries first uh, or else your family's not going to have anything to eat. So you're on your way to the store, your car breaks down, and you find out it's going to cost you $1,000 to fix the problem. There's not enough money in your account to buy the groceries and pay for the car repair. If you buy the groceries, you're not going to be able to work or to, to get well, you're not gonna be able to get to, to be able to get to the work um, because you have a broken car, and so you can't keep making money. And so you're in this bind, and you start to become anxious. Or let's paint a different picture. Let's say you're at college and you're writing a term paper, and let's say it's an important paper, and you've always done well, but you want to do really well, even though. Uh, perhaps your parents maybe have always supported you. You kind of have felt this compulsion, maybe recently or maybe growing up, this compulsion to just impress them and to show them that you're not just an average person, but that you're better than average. Uh, it's stressed you out. It's stressing you out now. And so the night before the paper is due, you're not eating well, you're moody, you pull an all-nighter, you're anxious. You want to impress but you're not sure that you'll be successful. You want people to see you as somebody. In both of these scenarios, we have replaced a worship of God with a worship of something else. And that produces fear, worry, and anxiety. In the first scenario, I doubt God's provision, which produces the anxiety. In the second scenario, I've replaced acceptance by God with acceptance by parents. In other words, in order to be satisfied, I need God to accept me plus my parents or plus whoever it might be. And so because, and actually here's the interesting thing uh, about that, the only thing in life that never changes is God himself. God is what we call immutable. And so when I tag my, uh, my satisfaction to something that is mutable, that is to say something that is changeable, I always am going to naturally have anxiety because I'm fearful that that thing could change, which it very well can. So I, I, if I attach my satisfaction to my bank account, I could lose that money. If I attach my satisfaction to my re, uh, relationship um, of some sort, I could lose that relationship. If I attach my satisfaction to... Um, you know, uh, my, my social status or whatever it might be, I can lose all those things. This is one of the reasons why there is so much anxiety uh, in our culture is because we're attaching our satisfaction and our worship and our allegiance to everything but God. Everything is changeable. I can lose the money. I can lose the relationship. I can lose my health. I can lose these kinds of things. And so um, the point is that we have to uh, tether our satisfaction and our worship to something that doesn't change, which the only thing is God uh, and God himself. I think the attribute of God that we most readily chafe at is the attribute of God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty is the most, quote-unquote, invasive attribute in my life. It's the attribute that, uh, from my uh, perspective, robs me. Uh, it's not really robbing me, okay? But it robs me of my ability to run my own life as I see fit. Um, God's sovereignty interferes with that, and that's why I chafe at his sovereignty so much. It ought to be the most natural thing in the world for us 
uh, as believers to respond with complete and total trust. But unfortunately, uh, and again, this is due to the fall, it's not the most natural thing anymore. We have a tendency to see only the physical realities and we doubt whether God has good intentions uh, for us. Um, and and I, and I would say, and maybe if I combine that with the previous thing, that we doubt either his sovereignty or his intention or both. You know, uh, God's sovereignty, you know, why is he in control or is he in control? And then his intention, um, is he good? Is he going to be good in this situation? What's his goal? Um, so the problem with this is, is that it's the doubting that's the sin. It's the doubting and the not trusting that produces the worry. And that actually is, interestingly enough, the very thing that Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. If we look at uh, verse 30, he says this, But if God so clothes the grasses of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? And then here's the statement, O you of little faith. So Jesus identifies this this anxiety as having its source in uh, a lack of faith. We could call that unbelief. We could call that doubt. And so what's interesting here is Jesus rebukes this person because their faith is small. They don't trust in God like they ought. This is, of course, as we've already established, a sin. And I just want to bring one more verse into uh, the mix here, Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about any, or do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So here is the hard reality. And I do say this intentionally. This is a hard reality, especially in our culture. Um, we live in a culture that everything has a, uh, a medical disorder label to it. Um, the hard reality that the scripture gives to us is anxiety is a sin. And that's the way that Philippians 4, 6 uh, labels it. It's uh, sin because it's a disorder of worship. It reveals a lack of trust in God. Uh, and I don't deny that this is hard for many of us to swallow. And for many of us, this is going to be a defining moment. What are we going to choose to believe? This is what this is going to come down to, I think, for a lot of us. Are we going to choose to believe our Bible, even when that's hard to do? Or are we going to choose to believe our emotions and our natural impulses? One of the things that's um, increasingly becoming discouraging to me is even as I engage uh, even Christians uh, in conversation, oftentimes we've lost the ability to be rational and logical and orderly, uh, even in our thoughts. And so we tend to react kind of a knee-jerk reaction. We react um, emotionally, uh, whether it be through kind of an anger or frustration. Uh, we have kind of lost, I think, the ability to just uh, look at um, Scripture through a logical, uh, coherent lens. And so that's what we've got to come down to is uh, the Bible is, uh, is, is essentially calling us to repent and believe regardless of kind of what our natural impulses are telling us. Matthew 6 tells us not to be anxious three times, and then, of course, Philippians 4, 6 as well. The Bible commands us not to be anxious. Don't do it. And I want to leave us with a little bit of hope today because um, I want to demonstrate to us that the Bible not only identifies anxiety as sin, but it also does give us hope for freedom. And I will uh, plan on, Lord willing, expanding on this a little bit uh, next week. Um, so uh, I'm not going to 
be done with this topic. But uh, for now, I want us to note 1 Peter 5, verses 6 through 7, which says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. We have a Redeemer who wants us to cast to give all of our anxieties to him, but it comes through humility, a brand of humility that acknowledges a trust in God even when it doesn't make sense. And because I know how countercultural this concept is, um, although it shouldn't be, I mean, this has been the teaching of the church uh, from the very beginning, um, but I do want to do something, and I, I usually make this offer, but I want to make it again here today. Um, I plan on continuing this conversation next week. In between now and next week, so today, let's see, what's today's date here? Today is uh, June 27th, so Wednesday, June 27th. If you um, would like to have or to ask a specific question so I can clarify something that I said today, uh, go ahead and send me an email between now and then. Uh, If it's a legitimate question, and not just trying to, to argue, but if it's a legitimate question, um, I will do my best to address it next week. My email address is john at crossvieworville.com. That's john, J-O-H-N, at crossvieworville.com. Orville is spelled with two R's. Um, this can be, even if you're in our church here at Crossview Church in Orville, uh, feel free to uh, message me or someone in our community or even someone across the world. I'd love to hear from you. And uh, feel free to message us with uh, a specific question uh, that I can uh, address. And uh, Lord willing, I'll uh, plan on doing that uh, next week. So we'll uh, look forward to uh, that conversation. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Oroville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Oroville YMCA. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at Crossview Oroville.